Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to Made by Mamas, the podcast. I'm Zoe. And I'm Georgia. And we're here talking all things parenthood. You know, the real conversations. Tips and tricks. Products we love. And brands we can't live without. Let's get into it. Really, really excited about this conversation today. Uh, And from the questions that you've all sent in, it seems that you guys listening are as well. Uh, As you know, both Georgia and I are really into our fitness and our health when we've got the time to do it, when we prioritize it. Maybe one more than others. (laughs) (laughs) So we really wanted to explore uh, pre and postnatal fitness today and kind of talk around the sort of guidelines about it. Um, So a real expert in the field joining us for this conversation today, founder of The Bump Plan and Pilates PT. She's a specialist on prenatal and postnatal exercise. She's also pregnant herself. Uh, let's welcome Holly Grant to the podcast. How are you, Holly? I'm good. I'm yeah. I'm 13 weeks pregnant, so really early on, and oh, wow. I've kind of hit that. I've turned that corner much earlier than yeah. I did with my first. So I'm feeling I'm feeling normal again. I'm feeling human, which you just really appreciate when you have felt horrific for so yes. long. Yeah, yeah so you do. good. George and I always talk about that light switch moment and it happened for us. It doesn't happen for everybody, but the first, for me, it was at 13 weeks as well, where suddenly yeah. I, someone just came along and went and I just woke up one day and thought, oh, I don't feel like I'm on like a really rough sea just feeling constantly yeah don't feel hungover without any of the fun today yeah Yeah. exactly and it's no joke being pregnant when you've already got a child as well you know it's such a luxury the first time you can sort of nap or binge Netflix but second time round I just I felt quite guilty in that first trimester like I was a really boring mum um because I was just so exhausted I didn't want to get on the floor and you know pretend to be a donkey and things like that so (laughs) I felt a huge sense of guilt um so I think that's also really lovely to be able to kind of just play with your kid again yeah yeah and I guess because of your job you had to stay active and that can be so difficult when you're feeling so unwell I actually found that when I was teaching you know anyone that teaches anything you know that as soon as you start teaching you're kind of like in the zone and you're put it's like an act so actually teaching was quite nice because for that hour I didn't really think about how rough I felt Um, and I didn't have any moments where I had to stop halfway through um we were with we're filming um for another product at the moment. Um, essentially, we're refilming the bump plan. Um, and so in that first trimester, 
there were some times where during like professional filming, I had to stop, go be sick, come back and then try and like cut back into like burpees. Oh, Holly. Um, and that was yeah. horrific. But in general, um, teaching actually was, was quite a nice break. Like yeah. a respite. Yeah. yeah. Now listen, before we get into the questions today, because there were so, so, so many of them, I guess it would be really great to kind of talk about the guidelines to prenatal fitness. Because I, I, I think a lot of us have found that, you know, exercise has been such a big part of our lives. But then when we get pregnant, and we almost feel like we can't do it. So the current guidelines from the UK Chief Medical Officer are that during pregnancy, you should aim for at least 150 minutes of moderate intensity physical activity per week, which is quite a mouthful. What's moderate? Yeah. So if we break that down, 150 minutes is actually the same um, guideline as the general population. Um, So 150 minutes should be what we were already doing, but might not have been that carries on during pregnancy. Moderate intensity means that it's something that gets your heart rate elevated, but you're still able to talk. So that could be um, walking, it could be jogging, it could be swimming, it could be sex, it could be cleaning the house, it's whatever gets your heart rate up. Um, but you should still be able to talk. So we call it the talk test. Um, so you can literally just, you know, as long as you can sing along to a song or have a conversation, you're working at the right level. If you go above that and you couldn't talk, you're in high intensity. And I'll touch right. on that in a moment. So moderate intensity, or you can think of a scale of one to 10. Um, 10 is you during a marathon pushing yourself to the limit. One is you sat on the sofa. Moderate would sit at a six or a seven. So it's going to look really different to everyone. What gets me to six or seven out of 10 might be different for someone who maybe has never exercised before. So it's really personal to you. Um, So that's the moderate intensity bit. And then physical activity is also key here. It doesn't have to be 150 minutes of an exercise class. It doesn't have to be 150 minutes in the gym. It's 150 minutes of physical activity. So again, that could be walking the dog, you know, walking to the bus stop, it all counts. So actually, when you look at it that way, 150 minutes of physical activity a week might be quite manageable. Yeah. So there have been so many questions. um, And I think we should probably just jump straight in because I'm sure lots will come up um, when, when we read them. So this is probably one you can relate to. Currently 15 weeks, still really sick. Simple things I can do to build strength back up. Yeah, it's a really good question because we know that we're supposed to stay physically active during pregnancy, but actually the reality of being pregnant is that you you often feel pretty terrible in that first trimester at least, but with my daughter, it lasted till 16 weeks. So it's really difficult. And I think with that comes a sense of guilt. Like I know I should be doing something, but I just can't. So I think the first thing to say is try not to pile the pressure on. Um, You know, at the end of the day, pregnancy isn't for forever. um, And it might be that eventually you do come out the other side and start to feel better. Um, So hang in there. Mm. So I think that takes the pressure off slightly. So this person that's got in touch is saying that they feel rubbish. Again, try not to pile the pressure on, but maybe start with things that feel easier that are still considered physical activity. So it doesn't have to be going and doing a prenatal fitness class. So get out there, get walking. You might not feel as nauseous, um, you know, and and just think outside the box at first. And that might really help. Yeah. I always think walking is actually such a good thing to do. Yeah. It clears your head, obviously, but also it, it is actually really good, like for your cardiovascular, you know, 
fitness, isn't it? If you're you know, walking up hills and just gem, just generally walking, and it's it's a nice thing to do. I'm gonna I'm gonna go on with this one, and this is from Gemma, and I can really relate to this one actually because I was absolutely terrified about this. Um, not a question, but so worried more about weight gain during third pregnancy, and I really felt this during my um, my first pregnancy actually, and it was right at the end. I just felt like my weight gain was 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 like galloping on, and I realized you know to, mm. to to a lot of people they'll say, well, it's not about weight gain, and you know you're pregnant and you're about to give birth, all that sort of stuff. But I did find it, it was quite out, an out of control space for me to be in with somebody that likes to keep mm. themselves, you know, feeling and looking a certain way. I was a bit anxious around that. Uh, um, so yeah, I guess, uh, I guess it's just about kind of being okay and accepting, but also doing what you can to feel okay within, you know, your situation. Yeah, I think a lot of us actually worry about weight gain and we're quite scared to admit it, especially when we are pregnant and everyone's sort of looking at us thinking, oh, you should be so happy and you should love your changing body. But especially like Zoe says, the first time around when it first happens, um, you can feel quite out of control yeah there's a lot of things in there and what you've said and look at the end of the day like for the last 11 years I've worked with women um you know from in a fitness capacity and our whole business is based on the fact that we're about function not weight loss we're kind of really trying not to have that side order of diet culture so for me I I really try hard even if I have a client coming to our studio saying you know I'm getting married in a month's time and I just want to lose weight I try really hard to recondition them to think about performance rather than losing weight because Mm. essentially if you're more active chances are that your body will do its own thing and it will find some sort of equilibrium but I am also a female and I also am surrounded by diet culture. So I completely understand that for lots and lots of women, it's impossible to just say, I'll let my body do whatever it wants and I'm not going to be worrying about it. That would be lovely. It would be a beautiful world, but it's also not the reality at the moment. There's a lot of weight bias out there. So it's really common to worry about um, the fact that you lose a sense of control, especially if we have previously used diet or exercise to control the way our body looks. Mm-hmm. It's just, it can be a really scary time during pregnancy um, because there is a, a lack of control over how your body behaves. So I think the the only way to deal with that is to make sure that you're meeting those current UK guidelines, that you're getting enough physical activity, that you're trying to add into your diet as much fruit and vegetable as possible, rather than thinking about what you can remove. And, you know, at the end of the day, your body will gain what it needs and you're doing everything that you can. And I sometimes think kind of let future you deal with that. You know, right now yeah. you just focus on being as healthy as you can for you and your baby. That's a nice way to put it. Yeah. Personally, yeah let's deal with that. I'm a big fan of letting future Holly deal with stuff. So maybe we just park that for now because postnatally I've seen bodies change drastically, you know, so, but it is difficult. It's impossible. I, once I started to understand um, exactly what you were just saying, Holly, about the fact that it it was um, more, less about losing weight and more about a change in my sort of eating habits and my understanding around certain foods and what make me feel good. And the fact that things weren't, I mean, this is a kind of a bit of a deeper issue, which I think a lot of women and men experience yeah. um, but that sort of like real understanding on the nourishing foods and the good foods and that no food is supposed to be there for a treat even during pregnancy it's like you just have what you want a little and often and the balance is there once you start feeling out of control it's quite hard to pull it back um, mm-hmm. and then you start 
thinking, oh gosh, I, you know, I, I, will, I need to lose weight really quickly afterwards. And it's like you said, everything in time and, you know, your body will do what it needs to do. But that takes like a deep level of acceptance as well. Acceptance and understanding, I think. Yeah. I mean, I could talk for all day about diet culture, but essentially, you know, at the end of the day, we all, we are not all supposed to look the same. We are not all supposed to look like supermodels. We all have a base weight. And the problem is, is society has taught us and told us that if we spend enough money on ourselves and work hard enough, we can all look like supermodels. And that's just not true. At the end of the day, if we are exercising, if we are eating well, we will all look different. So health is what's important, not the way we look because looking like a supermodel and and trust me in the industry I work in you know I've worked with lots of different people it takes a huge amount of sacrifice that I just don't think our life is worth spending on um so I think we just have to appreciate that our bodies are going to do different stuff during pregnancy Tracy down the pub she's going to look different during her third trimester um compared to me and that's cool because we've got different bodies yeah it's about like not I guess it's not comparing as well isn't it that that has a lot I get that comes into it when people are comparing themselves to friends and to like you say like strangers in the street or whatever Mm. um we get on to the next question. This is from Catherine. I'm two weeks postpartum and I feel like I have no energy to exercise. Where to start? Oh, yeah, been there. Um, so for a long time, there was a myth um, essentially that you shouldn't do any physical activity after you've had a baby until you've had your six-week checkup with your doctor. Now, anyone who's been to that six-week checkup will know that you don't really get a look in. They've got so much to squeeze into that appointment. Um, you know, I had a really traumatic emergency cesarean. I didn't even get asked, do you want me to look at your, your stitches? You know, that six-week checkup is really for the baby. So um, it's a really arbitrary time frame. And actually, there is so much that we can and should do pre-six weeks that will help get us, um, that will help Help us with our postnatal rehab. So when we set up the bump plan postnatal, we started asking these questions to health professionals, to our insurance provider. Why is it that current fitness plans won't let you uh, join before six weeks? And we mm. found out that actually it is just an insurance issue. So we worked really hard with loads and loads of um, pelvic health physios, experts, diastasis experts, and our insurance company to be able to create a plan that you can start the day after you give birth. And it's really, really rare. But it's because there are things that you should do at the beginning, but you have to be sensible. And it's things like pelvic floor exercises. You can Mm -hmm. literally do those the day after you give birth, as long as you don't have a catheter in. Um, And that's something that you don't need a huge amount of energy to start doing, but it will make a huge difference to your core strength when you do start having the energy to do more advanced stuff. Um, Deep core activation. So that's things like stimulating your corset muscles. And that's, um, you could again sit on the sofa, you know, feeding or what have you. And it's a feeling of almost like, Imagine when you're trying to do up tight jeans, which we can all um, imagine postnatally. Imagine how you would sort of almost draw your tummy in slightly to do up the button or imagine someone's doing up a corset for you. That stimulates your deep core. Again, you don't need a huge amount of energy for that. And gentle stretching, again, that can be done on the sofa and that's really important early postnatally. What you're aiming to do is eventually build back up to those 150 minutes of moderate intensity physical activity per week. But that is a gradual build up. So having no energy at the beginning, totally understandable. If you don't have the energy to get out and go do a walk or anything that feels kind of more cardiovascular, then focus on your pelvic floor exercises, your deep core activation, some gentle stretches. And then when you've got the energy, 
then you can start reintroducing. But two weeks is still really early. Yes, early. I was going to say, so it's literally, it's literally, it feels like the day after two weeks. You're still oh. like, what? And um, I was just going to uh, interject and ask about p- doing pelvic floor. Um, if you've had, immediately after, as you were saying that about the day after, if you've had either a um, either a bad tear or you've had... Um, a piece well, of me? A piece of me. There, which I have as well, yeah. Are you still able to, because I felt like I couldn't even, you know, the thought of even peeing at that stage was so agony so the thought of like tightening anything or trying to find where anything was at that moment I just couldn't do any of that yeah so pelvic floor exercises are really important whether you've given birth vaginally or um cesarean vaginal births give you do give you a slightly higher risk of something called a prolapse and um, a weaker pelvic floor can increase that risk so pelvic floor exercise is really important even if you've had a cesarean you've just carried a baby for nine months at least um and so your pelvic floor has had a huge demand on it um it can feel uncomfortable if you've had a significant tear or an episiotomy, but if it isn't too uncomfortable, it actually helps bring blood flow to the area. So it can actually speed up recovery um, and the integrity of your scar. Oh, wow. So actually it can really help with tears. Um, so it might be that you just have to try gently at first, um, but definitely build, build build up as soon as you can. Um, and the sooner you can get those reintroduced, the better. Brilliant. Oh, that's okay. really interesting. That is interesting, isn't it? And that's one thing that, I mean, George, and I always bond we like properly bonded on the treadmill when we <laughs> after our first when we were like right we're just going to get back to doing all this running and then within about well I'll give it about three or four seconds of me being on the treadmill I was going to say 30 seconds but I was thinking it definitely wasn't even that <laughs> no, I was like oh I weaned myself and I like had to run off and then I was like oh god we need to go back to basics here um yeah here, here's a question and I always say this wrong so you're going to help me out here how to close um diastasis is it diastasis? Yeah, so some people call it diastasis, some call it diastases, yes. um, diastasis. Yes. Yeah, all the same thing. Okay, after two large babies, how to close it? So let's really quickly try and talk about what diastasis actually is. So if we think about, if we picture someone's tummy from the front, imagine they have a six pack. I've never had a six pack, just FYI, but imagine someone has a mm-hmm. six pack. What we see is two strips of muscle down the middle of their tummy, right, with ridges in. Those two muscles, I almost like to think about them like two strips of bacon. They are your rectus abdominis muscles and um, they don't connect to each other. They have a space between them called the linear alba and it's like tissue. And for this um for this uh, concept, I want you to imagine almost like a balloon, like um, rubber on a balloon. Imagine that that's the, dis- the gap between those two muscles. So when someone has a six pack, we see a ridge down the center, right? And it's because yeah. they don't connect to each other. So nobody has no gap. We all have a gap and it's a linear alba. So during pregnancy, your bump has to go somewhere. And obviously it goes forwards because the spine is in the way at the back. And as it goes forwards, those two um, muscles need to move apart to make room for your baby. Otherwise you would have um, like a, a, a a divot in your in your bump right so they have to separate and how they do that is the linear alba stretches just like if you blew up a balloon the balloon would get thinner and it would stretch and that is literally what diastasis is it's a thinning and widening of that linear alba so it's completely normal we all have diastasis clinically 100% of women have diastasis by the time they give birth. So often I'll get asked, how can I prevent it? And you're like, you can't prevent it. And it's a perfectly acceptable part Mm -hmm. of pregnancy. Now for two thirds of women, um, that gap, 
goes back to some version of normal on its own accord. For about a third of women, it doesn't. And we don't yet really know why. Um, Usually subsequent pregnancies, like the more pregnancies you've had, the more likely you are to have more of a gap. So postnatally, it's completely understandable that there will be a, a, a number of us who never really get that gap back to normal, but you cannot close the gap. Rehab with a physio um, would be great, but it can also be pricey. But there's also a lot of core work that you can do um, with an expert that can help reduce that gap or at least improve the integrity of that gap. So I have diastasis and I'm a Pilates teacher and I worked out the whole of my pregnancy. I still have some left for my daughter but I can still do advanced work and um, I don't wet myself you know the, you can still function with a diastasis so something like the bump plan that was created um, with experts so it's safe for diast- people with diastasis or prolapse um, mm-hmm. and the whole point of the postnatal plan is to try to help people understand how to manage pressure and deal with the diastasis so it doesn't mean that you can't do anything ever again um it can mean that people feel like their tummies look a bit like pendular. They'll often say like a mummy tummy. It can have a, a, an aesthetic um, symptom, which, yeah. you know, again, going back to the fact that we're, you know, we're only um, human and we th- that might affect us. And there is a bit of research showing that diastasis can also affect like your um, quality of life. Um, so it is important that you do get help, but is being mindful that we might never get it perfect, but that's also completely okay. Mm. Are there any exercises you should avoid? Because I think, oh, I have this thing in my mind that somebody came over to me when I'm, after I'd had Axel and I think I was doing a plank or something and they were like, oh, like that's brave or something. And then I suddenly thought, oh, well, I'd always done this. So like, I just, <laughs> thought, I just crack just on crack with back it. On. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, it's a really, really important comment because um, often what happens is, personally what I see anecdotally is women split into kind of two segments postnatally. The ones that literally go straight back to what they did before and they're like, I'm going to run until they realize that they leak. I'm going to do crunches until they start noticing their tummy doesn't quite look right. Um, or people that are so fearful of movement that they do nothing. And mm. then two years later, they're like, hang on a minute, my abs just don't feel right. So we need to kind of find a middle ground. Obviously, we shouldn't go straight back to what we were doing before without some level of prehab, we call it. So those pelvic floor exercises, deep core activation, but equally doing nothing is not good. You decondition yourself so much. There are no right or wrong exercises. You might find someone who's a high level athlete that four weeks postnatal can do a plank and their core manages really well with that. But you might get someone else who does it four weeks later and notices that their tummy just feels like it's about to blow out. The thing I would say is there's something called hard doming. So without getting too technical, um, it's all about pressure management. In your core, you have a certain amount of pressure, just like a balloon has an, a certain amount of pressure in. When we move, we increase the pressure in that core. So imagine squeezing a balloon, we increase the pressure. What we don't want is that then there's loads of pressure pushing down on our pelvic floor, making us leak or making us um, feel like we've got a bit of a prolapse going on. And we also don't want loads of pressure pushing through that linear elbow whilst it's trying to reconnect. So if you looked down during a plank and you noticed your tummy was very pointy and hard down the middle, you can guarantee that that is pressure pushing through that poor linear alba that's trying to get back to normal. So we would say it's more like 
how are you managing the pressure during an exercise? And if you're managing it well, then fine. But if not, you need to make the exercise a bit easier. Yeah. And you can tell yeah. actually that pressure doesn't feel like normal pressure. No. It feels mm. like quite, an in, and it's very intense. I find it, if I'm doing certain, still certain exercises now with it, I think, actually, do you know what? I don't think I can do that for very much longer. It feels like a different pressure than I've ever experienced before, if that makes sense. Yeah. Because ideally we would want that pressure to be expelled everywhere. Yes. So that everywhere is managing mm. to, cope yep. with it but when you direct that pressure to the pelvic floor and you increase potentially your risk of prolapse or through that midline you're just not helping something that's trying really hard to yep. remodel and get back to normal yeah okay. that makes sense but what we don't want is for women to be scared of movement that I mean that that's really important you know whilst we want to talk about like be mindful be careful but also don't fear movement because I would almost yeah. say that it's you can do more damage doing nothing than doing something and getting a bit of doming or getting a bit of bulging. You know, it's yeah. not going to yeah. harm you immediately. Doing nothing is worse. We'll be right back after this short break. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome back to this episode of Made by Mamas. Now, where were we? This isn't a question, but someone's just put... No, um, I did the bump plan with Pregnancy 2. Loved it. Holly is fab. Oh, that's <laughs> nice. The bump plan has been like just the most, yeah, most amazing project I've ever worked on. Um, and I just hadn't realized how um, confused pregnant and postpartum women felt until yeah. we created it. Um, so that's lovely to hear. This is an interesting one. Um, uh, varicose veins, second pregnancy, mm-hmm. does exercise help? Yeah, so varicose veins are really common during pregnancy for many reasons. We've got more blood in our body, up to 50% more fluid in your body during pregnancy, which is a lot, which is why people, um, you know, say that they feel like they've got really swollen ankles, really swollen feet. So not only do we have more blood, and if we think about how gravity works, um, it pulls stuff down. So blood goes down, veins are supposed to bring it back up to the heart. So it puts more pressure in the vein, but also um, our hormones mean that our veins expand more to allow that, to deal with that extra blood, which makes valves not as good at supporting the blood flow back down to your feet. So it's more common most women find that after their baby's born, they naturally go away when the blood level goes back to normal. But if we think about exercise and moving your body, particularly your um, calves, you know, and your ankles and the muscles in the leg, they help 
put pressure on the veins and push blood back to the heart. So exercise can definitely help because it helps get that blood moving rather than sinking down and putting pressure in the vein. Um, Also elevating your legs during the day sometimes. So sitting with your feet higher than your heart. um, So it's an excuse to get to sit down, but being sedentary is not good so sitting at your desk all day without getting up is is Mm. really not ideal so yeah physical activity will definitely help but if you only got them during pregnancy they will more than likely go away once the baby's here anyway yeah i've never really thought of that um so this is from julia i actually don't even know what this is um but when can you go back to doing inversions after postpartum upside down george you know oh right no i'm i don't know if that's a thing i'm I'm only joking is that right holly yeah it is yeah like headstands (laughs) right okay fine yeah Yeah, i didn't know what that was So um, inversions tend to, when we think of inversions, we tend to think more of like yoga. So I'm not a yoga expert. Um, So I would have to give a a relatively generic answer in so much that postnatally, um, especially if you've had a C-section, I would just be mindful of making sure that you are feeling strong, your scar is feeling healed, um, you speak to your yoga instructor before you... um, redo them just because it can put a lot of pressure on the abdominal wall um yeah I can't put a time frame on that I wouldn't want to uh you just need to see how you feel yeah and actually um another question that you tend to get from people is how do I know if I'm overdoing it postnatally so I guess this might also come under that camp um after you've had your baby there will be some level of um bleeding and actually, I remember getting real shocked because I had a cesarean bleeding and thinking that it was only if you had a vaginal birth that you bled. No, yes. it's basically like all of the blood, um, the walls from your uterus coming back out. And we call it lochia. And that's really normal. And it tends to be quite heavy at first and then it slowly goes away. Um, postnatally, if you're overdoing it exercise wise, you might notice that your lochia increases again or has clots in it, which is definitely a reason to speak to your midwife. You might just feel exhausted and you're already tired but if you're doing some form of exercise that then makes you actually just feel really rough fluey you're overdoing it and if you have any scars vaginal or cesarean um if you are getting tenderness in those areas um post-exercise again you need to to rein it in slightly so that inversions would, would come under that if you try it and you don't feel great the next day it might be worth waiting a bit longer yeah and I think that's it's that suck them and see thing isn't it like if you are able to go back to a yoga class at whatever point or you're practicing your inversions at home because you can't you know because you've got a little one and you and you can't leave and it doesn't feel right I think you know um it's a big lesson that Georgia and I you know really discovered quite early on was that we were almost pushing ourselves through what we thought we should be doing or what we used used to do and not listening to our body in its current state after giving birth so that actually a lot more damage came in for me with pelvic floor and various other you know things that I was noticing and I was like well surely I could just go back to what I was doing before and it's just not the case you know really being aware of how your body is feeling you know day to day as well it's no you know one day you might have more strength than others one day you might be able to do something that you can't do the next it's uh, it's really about being aware of how you feel I think Yeah. yeah actually I wanted to ask you I guess my training's always been running or like hit workouts or you know workouts where like I'm really sweating and my heart is really racing so low impact cardio is something I've never really I mean I've tried the odd pilates or yoga class but it's something I've never really got on with because I feel like I don't see like the instant you know that I've just done something really like challenging there but can you just talk us through what the benefits are yeah and I just want to okay um, the, the way that you think about that as well, because 
again, sadly, because of diet culture, there's a real um, emphasis on, you know, like sweat like a pig to look like a fox, go hard yeah. or go home. Like, unless you're sweat dying. you're fat crying. Which is just such <laughs> disgusting comments, aren't they? And like, they're the bane of my life in the fitness industry when that is so far removed from our message. And so we, it is ingrained in us that unless we are burning thousands of calories, is it even worth it? You know, unless it's on your Strava, did you even do it? It's just, it's, a, it's not a great message to give because actually, even if we go back to what the guidelines are from the chief medical officer, 150 minutes of physical activity, but they also want you to make sure that that combines both cardiovascular work, so stuff that gets your heart rate up, that is important, but also strength work. And what I see a lot in studio is clients who've avoided strength work because all they've done is cardio. And if you don't support um, the level of strength that is needed to run and spin and cross train, um, you are going to get injured. Um, And so it's really important What's important to think about with cardio is cardiovascular work is anything that gets your heart rate up, right? We're working our cardiovascular system. Now, you can do something that is low impact that gets your heart rate up. If you think of something like rowing, rowing is not doesn't have impact. We're not running and banging on the floor, but it gets your heart rate up. And so with the bump plan, like all the cardio exercises are low impact, but you get your heart rate up. So it's um, just working out the difference between low impact cardio, and then low impact strength work. So Pilates would be considered like a low impact strength work. And people often think, well, because it's low impact, um, it's going to be easy. But anyone that Pilates with me or the reformer, it it burns. The next day you're like, I didn't even know there was a muscle there. I can't cough now. And it's really, really important we're doing both. If we want to future-proof our body, And I think sadly, because of the emphasis on weight loss, people tend to veer towards cardio, but you can only do cardio for so long without following it up with some strength work before you you get injured. Brilliant. That's such great advice. Um, I love this one. Struggling to eat healthily in the first trimester, craving all the crap. Help. Yeah. White food is is kind of what most people want. Yeah. And you know, you find lots of people have food aversions. Um, I couldn't stand the smell of garlic or onions. My husband's a real foodie. So he found that really frustrating. And I found him finding it frustrating, frustrating. Um, (laughs) So you tend to find, yeah, like anything that smells spicy or aromatic or garlicky, um, you don't want. You just want white food and you know what again you you kind of have to just listen to your body with that there is no point trying to force it to eat other stuff where possible add in some fruit or veg even if it's you know like one type of veg you can stomach just go for it but it's it for most people it's not for forever so I think you just need to be really kind to yourself and know that we're everyone is the same in their first trimester yeah exactly do you know what? I just love, oh, I love pasta now, but um, I once or twice a week, I used to make a pasta sauce with loads of veg in it. I mean, there would be so much cheese on top of this pasta after. You couldn't even taste that it. it was a tomato sauce. But in my head, I <laughs> in my head, I used to think, okay, cool. I've had loads of vegetables yeah. on those two days. Yeah. Um, even if it was, com- you know, completely hidden in cheese and pasta but yeah know, there we go There's you got it tip. you got it down you I also really got into juicing or like making smoothies just because I thought well at least if I can just drink one and it doesn't even have to be like a big glass if I can just get half of it down me and like I'd put all kinds of you know peanut butter and things to make it taste quite and sometimes I put a little like teaspoon of Nutella in it 
you know, um, so I could like try and mix it up a bit, but know that I was getting, you know, some nutrients in, then I would yeah. like relax a little because I just wasn't eating any of that crap. It was basically, mm. it was all just mashed potatoes, gravy, you know, crisps and, you know, croissants. Yeah, I loved jacket potatoes, pasta, toast. I mean, yeah. actually, I still love all those things, but um, yeah, all a lot bland- more bland white foods yeah. yeah like what you're saying Zoe about just like add something in and as long as you're taking kind of like a pregnancy specific supplement you know like a multivitamin and you've yep. got your folic acid in as well you will you will get more and your body's actually very clever when you're pregnant it slows down the transition of food through the digestive system which is why we tend to get constipated so that it draws out more nutrients from everything you eat um so actually you know your body's really really clever so just don't don't put too much guilt on yourself um you just need to get through it. You just got to exist yeah, and then you'll exactly. be fine. So should we do one more? That's what I was going to say. Should we finish up on this one? Um, any recommendations for free resources on postpartum pelvic floor exercises? Love ya. <laughs> yeah. So, well, so on the bump plan, um, on our website, there is a resources page actually. And when you drop down, it's got, um, we've got two podcasts. Um, one is Bun in the Oven, which is kind of about um, the different ways people become parents so um that's really interesting uh and the strong women podcast but then it also says blog i think and in there there is an article specifically about early postpartum pelvic floor exercises there's articles in there about the pelvic floor i think sometimes it's that we actually just don't even know what the pelvic floor looks like where it is yeah what's happening when we do our pelvic floor exercises um, so there's loads of stuff in there about that. Um, also there's the squeezy app, which is an NHS app. So, you know, it's, um, evidence-based and I think it costs like two pounds or something. And it teaches you how to do your pelvic floor exercises. It reminds you to do your pelvic floor exercises. And it also has a, um, database where if you need an NHS or private pelvic health physio, um, you'll be able to find one in your area as well. Um, so yeah, the squeezy app is, is really important. And, and just quickly on that note, if there's time, um, because we haven't talked about it yet, prolapse, um, and this is a question we get asked a lot about the reason why pelvic floor exercises or one of the many reasons why they're so important postnatally is that, um, pelvic organ prolapse is where one of the pelvic organs, so the bladder, the uterus, the bowel is no longer supported by the pelvic floor well enough and one of one or more of those organs slips down into the vaginal canal so some people will find um, that they have a very mild prolapse and that just feels a little bit they might not feel anything but they might feel um, a bit of bulging down into the vagina or they might have pain or numbness during sex and um, at the other end of the spectrum with a more extreme prolapse they might even see um, the vaginal wall um coming out of the vaginal opening. So I might actually be able to see something or feel something. Um, And that is usually because the pelvic floor has weakened and stretched and it is not able to support the pelvic organs any longer. Um, And it's about 50% of women who have had a vaginal birth will have some form of prolapse. So it's actually really quite common. Whereas if we can have a really strong, really functional pelvic floor, we're going to give those pelvic organs much more support. And it is more common with a vaginal birth, but anyone can get a prolapse. Um, And so it's just really important that we are giving that pelvic floor the support. And during pregnancy, the pelvic floor is under such a huge demand. So we need to kind of get back in there as soon as we can. And then going to something like heavy weight training that puts loads of pressure down or like sprinting, running too early on 
is going to put that that pelvic floor under even more strain. So we just need to make sure we're getting in there with pelvic floor work early before we then start doing stuff that could increase our risk of a prolapse. And you know what, Holly, I'll just kind of come in on there and finish with this, that I have spoken about this so passionately because I had no understanding. There was no help for me afterwards. And I just carried on doing what I was doing. You know, I like to to exercise at quite, you know, I I can do the high impact, but also the low impact. But my high intensity training is where I felt like I got most of my kind of, I don't know, kicks out of, I guess. And I just carried on going, carried on going. And I was like, my pelvic floor is completely ruined here. And it's taken me a really long time. So anybody that's listening that thinks, oh, you know, I'll do it tomorrow, I'll do it tomorrow. Even just standing, brushing your, to- brushing your teeth, you can do it there, but you need to know where it is and you need to know that you're doing it right. And actually, I really mm. believe that the NHS have got a bigger responsibility to give us more information around that at the time. You know, I was doing it wrong. I was like squeezing my bum hole for ages. Yeah. Thinking, oh, yeah, here we go. I'm doing my pelvic floor. It's completely <laughs> the wrong area. I've got yeah. a very tight bum hole, but you know, it's like everything else is right. <laughs> It's really helpful. Yeah, it's really helpful. Um, so yeah, it's a work in progress for me still, you know. But I have yeah. come, I have come on quite far. So yeah, definitely do it. it. It's essentially you want to get, you want to close the three holes of the pelvis of the pelvis. So you want to close anus, vagina, urethra, and then you want to lift. So it's a squeeze and a lift um, that makes a huge difference. But yeah, yeah, the more you practice, the more you learn, the better. Brilliant. Brilliant. Holly. Thank you so much, Holly. Yes, you're, you're so welcome. brilliant. Um, <laughs> and, and yeah, and we'll definitely get you back on because there were so many other questions. I feel like this is a, this is a subject that we can just keep on discussing. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a bit of a minefield and there's a lot of misinformation out there. So um, it just makes sure that you're following people like the Active Pregnancy Foundation. They're a charity trying to make sure that the industry is like all sharing the same information it's evidence-based the bump plan is all evidence-based we use loads of experts you can trust anything from the bump plan um but yes just uh yeah i hope that's been helpful super helpful thank you so much thanks holly thanks bye I feel like Holly Grant was made to come on this podcast because she gave such incredible, like what brilliant advice. You know, it wasn't too much information, but she was very clear on her messaging and it was very uh, inclusive and like realistic as well. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It was so realistic. And also just, but you know, when she was saying about waiting till the six week check to exercise, you know, some of us feel like we want to be doing something and she's saying well actually you can be sitting feeding your baby and doing your pelvic floor or you can be sitting on the sofa doing some stretches and it's going to help you um yeah but equally you're two weeks postpartum and you you're not going to have any energy so don't be hard on yourself Loved exactly <laughs> yeah <laughs> and me. um so we're gonna um just give you a couple of products that we've been using around the kind of health and fitness space that we're loving um george do you want to kick us off yeah so i recently got an apple watch um it doesn't have to be an Apple Watch though there are so many others and especially because I'm working from home and also I feel like I'm always rushing around you know I'm jumping in the car driving Gigi to nursery and I've got five minutes to get back before we're recording and there's actually not that much time like walking (laughs) and so it's made me really mindful of how many steps I'm getting especially on those working from home days and you know sometimes it's it's like a thousand steps maybe not even that which is nothing I think there's so much pressure to get like this 10,000 steps in and okay I don't I I, you know I very rarely do that especially if it's a day where I've actually also had an hour hour out to go to the gym or something um but 
I do really try now if I you know I've been sat at my desk for a few hours and I think okay I've got 20 minutes where I could just where I need to go and clear my head I'll do it while I'm walking or if I've got if I can do a talking meeting I'll do it on the phone and I'll go out for a walk while I'm doing it um, and it's just made me so yeah so much more conscious about getting those steps in not just for you know exercise benefits but for mind for my mind yeah um, and yeah I just I just find it really interesting and also for your sleep I'm it tracks all sorts of stuff there are super fancy ones you can get but there are really basic ones too yeah brilliant I, I was a bit worried about getting one of those because I thought oh god well it, my, my producer at work was like you know I get a message that says that I'm being lazy or like yeah, you know that I haven't up. done enough work or like stand up or drink some wine I'm like I don't want a fucking bossy little thing on my arm just <laughs> telling me what to do and how I feel all the time but actually some days I'm like oh god I've probably walked 60 steps today I probably should yeah. go out and have a walk so maybe you know it, there's pros and cons to it there are exactly um, now, we got a message the other day um, from somebody and it's it's really stayed with me and it was about something that we had linked on Instagram and there, it was it was a really honest message and it was, this, this wine opener is completely unrealistic in terms of budget. I think it was like 80 quid for a wine yeah. opener. And it, it's actually really stayed with me the last week or so. And I wrote back to this, she was lovely, and I wrote back to her and said, look, we always really, really try to give you a range of, you know, um, products that we love and a range of budgets right to suit we try our hardest to link you know yeah. high street stuff you know maybe a little bit more expensive just so that everybody's got like an idea on what's out there so um thank you for highlighting that to us um i'm going to talk about two sets of um leg uh, like two lots of leggings that i'm wearing at the moment one is a brand called Vuring. yeah yuri yes i Vuri think we actually clothing. have the same ones <laughs> Yes, that I've got the studio pocket leggings, um, and I've got them in grapefruit, but they come in like uh, four, Black, five, six, seven, like yeah, lilac, seven different colours. Yeah, yeah. The blue colour. They're really, really lovely quality. Yeah, and my big thing about leggings is them going sort of saggy around the bum. You know, they don't dry quickly. They start, you know, they don't wash up very well. All that kind of stuff. These leggings are ninety-five pounds, so they are on the more expensive, you know, a- a end of the spectrum. But for quality, I've been using them for the last three months. They are absolutely brilliant so there is one end end of the scale for you and then I want to talk about new look and I want to talk about their activewear which I also love and use pretty much every other day um and you know they're right you know the leggings that you can get from there are like 20 quid 25 quid and they are in my opinion just as good yeah I was gonna say uh, there's a I had a leopard pair which I still yes. have and I think I've posted them I'd love to go back on Instagram probably for the last two years wearing yeah. them like once a week and I, I think they were under 20 quid I think they're about like 17 99 yeah. or something Brilliant. I don't love running in them because they fall down thing. well no they don't fall down but I feel like they're really hot <laughs> I don't know maybe they're not like a re- <laughs> particularly breathable fabric but I absolutely love them for day to day and also like if I'm doing like a weight session or something in the gym um, but again they stay up they're squat proof um, fantastic for quality for the money so yeah yeah. Um, and just to finish up um, you know we talked to a lot of experts on here and as we know like experts can be pretty expensive um, if you know if you want to do a one-to-one with somebody especially in the fitness space and I've recently been on a bit of a I don't say fitness journey but I guess I needed a little bit of accountability and so I started working with an online fitness coach which is significantly cheaper than working with a PT like in the gym or at home or whatever and he um, his name's Sam West but there are you know loads out there depending on I guess 
who you know what personalities that you match with or you know you like their ethos or whatever and um he sets me daily challenges so a workout I think he sets me three or four workouts a week um and I have to tick it off the list have I drunk enough water and I tick it off the list and it's been so great for me um just to keep me on track so in my head I know I don't always get the four workouts done I get three maybe done but he checks in with me to ask me oh you know have you got anything coming up this weekend that we should account for do I need to switch up your plan a little bit it's really great um so yeah definitely something to look into if you want a little bit of help and I think everybody listening would like to give you a massive round of applause for your amazing before and after photos on Instagram (laughs) and I know that that was a really really massive deal for you but you look yeah. incredible Thank and you, you, you know your dedication to it whilst not being able to like sacrifice all the things that you love in life as yeah. well has been really great so that's what well I was going to say mate. small changes and that's why I wanted yeah. to put it out there um, so yeah thank you well done we're proud messages. of you <laughs> uh, thank you for sending in all of your questions as always it's been a really fascinating Friday's Q&A um, we would love you to rate, review, subscribe and please give the podcast a little follow and if you do have somebody that you know isn't listening to the podcast that's a new mama or just needs a bit of help in various different areas uh, let them know about us because we're trying to reach yes. more people at the moment spread the word and if there are any experts that you've seen or guests you'd like to hear from then please do drop us a dm on instagram we're on at made by mummers and we'll be back on tuesday made by mummers is an insanity podcast production and today's episode was produced by the lovely charlotte mason insanity group hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain i learned this the hard way after losing my cat gingy so i created pretty litter a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors saving you money and potentially your cat's life pretty litter is veterinary and developed and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20 percent off your first order and a free cat toy terms and conditions apply see site for details when you make decisions for your company you look for the no-brainers if you have a lot of mailing to do stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer use the stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89 percent off usps and ups Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.